This is Power Athlete Radio. With your host, Denny K, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. It's been two weeks. I'm excited to be back on Power Athlete Radio. I'm here with Professor Booty and the Luke Summers. Uh, guys, what's happening? What's going on? What's up? What's up, Danny? I'm CrossFit uh, Games, Rich Froning, 3P. I mean, is that even, obviously it's possible, but my God, what, a, what an impressive, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> an impressive an impressive weekend of training i mean those guys those guys were suffering i'll tell you uh i guess for those that may not know the the power athlete staff is contracted by crossfit to do uh, to do the crossfit football seminar so uh, by that very fact we were out there promoting the seminar for crossfit and got to meet a lot of the people who went to the games and we were really there firsthand, but we didn't really get to watch as much as as we'd like to in first person because you're you're out there talking to people who may not know what the the whole CrossFit football thing's about. But you can feel the energy near some of the ends of the workouts, or when someone struggled through a, a power clean and jerk, like you could hear the crowd erupting. And on two veins, it's really interesting that you know people joke like it's just people exercising. But at the same time, there's thousands of people in the stand that can relate to the fact that like that that training has turned into almost a competitive sport or and like the crowd can push you through a PR. And it's it's just interesting stuff, man. It was tons of fun. A lot of people had a lot of fun, but it was a long weekend. If you ask any of the vendors or any of the SMEs, it was a long weekend out there. You know, Luke, you bring up a, um, a, a, what I think is a good point about the crowd there because at the same time that the games are going on Saturday and Sunday, USAW is having a nationals event in Ohio. Um, I kind of focused more of my attention on the games, but on, you know, at some point they had a, a live stream too. So I threw it on there and uh, Freddie Camacho's girlfriend, China Cho got to see her uh, get up on a platform, but okay. So, that webcast, quiet. There, it sounds like there's like a crowd of maybe 20 people. Joel, you're, you're kind of lifting in a library. If you watch the clean and jerk ladder in the games, 20,000 people in the stadium rising to their feet when, you know, the, the athletes got to the end of their, you know, respective ladder and, and the crowd knew that what, what they were about to see was something, you know, of importance that requires skill and power. And, you know, you got to give kudos to CrossFit for really putting on a, a, a good event. And, you know, the, the fans of the sport who, you know, maybe 20 or 10, 20 years ago, you didn't you didn't really understand what a clean and jerk was. Those who were outside of that, you know, um, kind of out, outside of the box. And I just thought that that would, you know, watching the two events, um, you know, like I said, it's really got to give it to CrossFit for uh really putting on a like a huge event like that and it, it was really cool dude they, they made it sexy one thing you could compare is the required uniforms 
of CrossFit versus, you know, the USAW. Dude, singlet's covering way too much skin. Oh, God. The female outfits for the CrossFit Games. I like. I don't even think I pay attention to the female scores. <laughs> hey, uh, Stacey Tovar, if you're listening and single, uh, hit me up. <laughs> no, it was – I mean, I mean, no matter what – like just everybody there, spectators, competitors, like everyone's shredded, dude. Everyone looks great and uh, and like, you know, on, on the literal sense – CrossFit's made it sexy and and more on uh, kind of the less literal sense in terms of the athletes. Like the venue looks great. The 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 signage is cool. The names of the the workouts are cool. Everything about it is just like is well packaged. And uh, it's it's fascinating, man. It's it's cool. And the other cool side of it on the other side of the competition and competitive side. There's people, whether it's the spectators that we talk to who, who this training system's completely changed their lives. You know, they've made it appealing to suffer and train. And, uh, while there's, there's merit in going the extra mile, like, you know, as long as you're doing it right, you're going to do a lot of great stuff. And we say that time and time again on the podcast. So it's, it's cool. I mean, it's a whole new revolution, man. It's, it's really great. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the psychology of it all is amazing. I mean, Denny, I watched some of the USAW too. I just watched the 69s because Caleb was in it. Caleb, um, right? Yeah. Congratulations so, so, to him. Well, I mean, you know, after his second snatch, he uh, tweaked his shoulder so bad that after the competition, he couldn't even lift it above his head. Um, but one gold after his first clean and jerk and made the world team. Made um, the world team. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, 128 kilo snatch at 69 kilo body weight. Um that's legit. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> yeah, and sure. smo- smoked a 163 clean and jerk. Ha- easily had 170 in him if his shoulder wasn't tweaked because he's hit 165 in the gym. Um, but yeah, so it, it's a different sport. If you've never lifted in an Olympic uh, weightlifting competition, uh, totally different than powerlifting or CrossFit. It's it's almost like a golf match, right? Yeah, Where everyone's yeah. like, oh, everyone's real quiet, you know, focus in and. Um, uh, the thing about CrossFit, the, the, psychology, the psychology behind CrossFit and the sort of motivation, the fact that people can motivate you after – I mean when they got to the clean and jerk ladder, they had been through so much stuff. I, I don't know that I could have clean and jerked 100 kilos. And um, here we are. The, you know, Lucas Parker walks up to the 315 bar screaming like a Viking and the crowd <laughs> goes ape shit, right? And he works up to what, 355? I mean, it, it's just an amazing psychology. Um, it's sort of like uh, 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 everyone's bound together by this. We, we all bleed together. And it's like the athletes somehow sort of channel that into, well, I have to do it because all these people are behind me. It's uh, it's truly amazing. I wish I, next year I'm going to go. You're going to do the masters? Oh, no. Danny, you have a lot of confidence in me, brother. <laughs> you have a lot of confidence in me. No, I meant I was going to spectate, brother. I was going to spectate. Oh, you were going to go. Shit, dude, no. No, you, you're good enough to go, man. Oh, 75 bro. reps on the... The go fuck yourself challenge. Oh, dude, 75 reps, dude. That's legit. That fucking left, enough, me, that left oh. me in a bad place. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> <laughs> that left me in a bad, bad place. Um, yeah. So what about Rich Froning? Um, I just I have to talk about this. The whole weekend, my crew, we basically spent the weekend at the gym. We brought in a projector and we geeked out on the CrossFit games. And, uh, you know, Basically spent the whole weekend in second or third place. Last day, what a clutch play. Wins every event. 
you know, his his technique is just like perfect, man. Every every single rep looks the same, you know, and it's just like he just takes his foot off the gas, goes through the motions. He knows what he's got to do. It's real crisp and he, he just knocks it out of the park. I really thought Philippe was going to pull it off. I really did. I was like, holy shit, this guy's going to, you know, he, he's like the underdog and he was really kicking ass at first. Did really well in that row. And, you know, from what I've read and um, heard of, you know, the, the bashing on Khalifa's that he doesn't have endurance. He's more of a strength guy for him to, to win, you know, the row and then get the uh, the 2K time first place on that, too, really says something about his training. But, uh, you know, Froning just, you know, he, he's going to he's not going to go down quietly. Yeah, no, I mean, I think his technique is flawless, but above that. Something like inside of him, his gut, his heart, he just goes. The best part of the game's last event, he puts down the bar on the overhead lunges, looks over at Josh Bridges, and just smokes him to the finish line. <laughs> that was the best part of the whole event. I've, dude, he, he's a big jerk. You know, Kenny's just <laughs> like, yeah, dude, like, I mean, uh, an impressive jerk at least. But like, uh, my favorite part was the the handstand walk because we that was the one event we we were t- we tore down a bit early and we watched the men's final. And Wait, did you just say Rich Ferning's a jerk? Yeah, dude. Like he's just you know, can he just let somebody else win <laughs> a little bit? No, he smoked Ben Smith. Just just ran past him on the handstand walk. Damn, but he like it's like he figured it out after his fortieth hand step you know what i mean he finally figured it out and he's like i'm just gonna move my hands faster and then he moved his hands faster and just went and then i I mean impressive i'm just you know i'm joking around it's just like man dude can exercise dude can suffer dude can move well this is definitely his sport and and we were joking at the booth and people would come up and uh at at power athlete hq we have like a big 12 foot conference table and you know we have seats all around it and that's where we scheme and plot and uh bullshit and we won't you know we're thinking i wonder if at crossfit hq at the games meetings if they have like on a big whiteboard somewhere how do we beat rich froning mm-hmm. you know and they're just like how can we program to beat rich froning and they just like if that's the whole mission or if it's, you know, if it's just keeping it very CrossFit and just adding those new, new flavors, like the swimming muscle ups and the, I love the zigzag sprint. You could see people who knew how to run versus, uh, have never ran in multi or a nonlinear sport in their life. It was, I mean, uh, it's just interesting twist this year. Yeah, it was really, there was really, everything was there. Uh, 405 pound deadlift, you know, that, uh, in 2007, you know, or, or in 2008, I mean, those, the programming then, you know, was kind of, it, it seemed like it favored, you know, you like one year it was kind of more endurance bias. And then one year it went more strength. So you would kind of see uh, different winners. And uh, I think last year the programming was pretty well too, but this year it just kind of threw everything in there. And uh, yeah, no, no one person wins every single event. But, you know, you play your cards right and give it your all and uh, hopefully get through on your weaker events. And then when your stronger events come in, you can, you know, kick some ass. But what they got seven minutes to do uh, 15 deadlifts and then what, 10 weighted pistols with a 53 pound kettlebell. Then yeah, and, then, and then an 80 foot handstand walk. 90 foot. Was it Is 90 foot? Yeah, 90 foot. 
then get a minute break and then muscle up handstand push-ups and then the, the freaking axle bar man I, I, we got to get one of those axle bars those things are badass yeah they're you probably great. have those don't you luke oh for sure for sure you got everything in Balboa. <laughs> yeah i think we have two or three of them oh jesus so any chance you that you're going to see uh, axle bars in the CrossFit football programming? Uh, you know, it's it's just not practical equipment that people have. We'd love to do – because could you imagine the comments? Could you uh, imagine yeah. the comments on <laughs> front rack axle bar lunges? How I sub this? Uh, but, but here's the thing. So let's say there's a guy out there in his garage or at his gym who has an axle bar, and you see something with a barbell come up. Try it with an axle bar see what yeah. happens. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead because I know there was another question. I think it was a different one that got sent in after we, we got the timeline together, but like, uh, and, and we'll discuss it in the future, like how the method kind of behind adding an axle bar to the training, just try mm-hmm. it one day, you know, there's testing days and there's training days. The majority of the days you follow CrossFit football are training days and your testing days are when you're in your arena of competition whether it's football or soccer or uh, a weightlifting, powerlifting meet. But anyway, st- not to derail it, but uh, back. No, that's a great conversation, actually, because, I mean, I think for the athlete on CrossFit football who who is interested in that kind of thing, if you've got the gear right, I mean, you could kind of cycle it in for uh, one workout a week or even like a couple of weeks workouts just for, I mean, constantly varied, right? Right. And, uh, and that's like, not, I guess I wouldn't have anybody who's new to the program, uh, let's say less than 20 weeks, you know, keep them on the same stimulus because we know it's going to be optimal, just basic pounding, pounding, pounding with that barbell and the power lifts, the amateur progression, uh, do your best to, to follow the D watt as prescribed. But if you've been on the program for a while, half year or a year, every once in a while, maybe once every three weeks, try to replicate the stimulus but use a different toy if you have it you know yeah yeah but saturday saturdays would be good for that so yeah perfect but uh i like it cool i like it so so steve you want to get to uh you want to get to nick jay's question yeah yeah sure so uh so nick jay asked on the uh crossfit football blogs is it viable is it a viable option to do the s wad and the d wad split uh, says he's short on time for a long session, but could fit two shorter sessions in the day, essentially splitting SWAT in the AM and DWAT in the afternoon. Um, I, I kind of responded to him briefly just saying like, I mean, you get the work in when you get the work in, but some of the stuff that we've talked about on the podcast, especially with John is that, you know, people write in saying, what about supplementary work? What about, and, and John always says, well, the DWAT is the supplementary work, right? Is the accessory work. It just happens to be done in a unique fashion that is four time or four rounds or what have you. And so I was just wondering what your thoughts on that would be, Luke. Is it optimal? I don't, uh, it depends, I guess on you is how much time you have. Absolutely. It's a viable option to do SWAT and DWAD split. Uh, the, you should always focus. Uh, and I said this at, we had a SME experience and and something that's interesting is 100% effort on when we're programming or when we have an athlete in, you are trying your hardest. No, That's assumed, right? You're, you're always trying your hardest. So, But the focus of your training should be the SWAT. So if you only have time for one of those, the SWAT takes precedence. Now, if you want to do the DWAD later in the day, sure, as long as you can get uh, a 
a solid warm up in and you're not just jumping in cold. Uh, yeah, go for it. It sounds like a, a viable option to me. Now, in terms of how does that change the, the training effect? Um, you don't go through the that movement pattern in a, potentially in a fatigue state and you could potentially alter uh, any sort of lasting anabolic effects by going into a catabolic effect of exercise, right? So you won't recover from your SWAD as effectively by doing your DWAD later in the day. That's not to say that you're going to, you know, you're going to ruin your whole training lifestyle, but uh, try it, see how you feel. And as long as you can continue to progress and you see improvement, go for it. If uh, maybe you do it every other day, then maybe you do a DWOT every other day. You know, I'm not sure if that makes sense or if I communicated that right, but I mean, I'll let you guys kind of slice and dice it and give your feedback. No, get, get the, get the strength work in. And that's, that takes priority one. And, uh, you know, if, if you can only condition twice a week, so be it. Right. I mean, focus on the strength work and, you know, try your best to get the conditioning part in. I, I like the whole, um, as far as like the training effect. I mean, by the time you're done with the strength work, the kind of maybe the slower movements, if they're more like the benching and the deadlifting, uh, to do something dynamic afterwards. I mean, if you're if you're going to come in in the morning and do your strength work, and then you got to go to work, and you can you know you're, you're going to do your conditioning after work and all that. You know, are you going to be, uh, can you warm up the same way you would at the same level you would be after you've just done some squat clusters or something like that? Oh, wait, squat clusters was, you guys put that in the, the daily wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what I'm but, saying? You know, I mean, I think Luke has a good point about warm ups. You know, I, I hadn't even thought about that when um, I, I read this question. You know, I mean, for, for an old guy like me, you know, it takes me, shoot, it takes me a long time to get warm. And, uh, it would just be faster for me. Time constraints. It would just be faster for me. It is faster for me to do it all in one session. If I had to split it up, I think ultimately the the time that I would spend training would be longer because my warm up would have to be sufficiently long to get me in the game again. Um, but I, I think I think like you said, Luke, focus on the SWAD and get the DWAD in when you can. You know what else is interesting is ever since John talked about the circadian rhythm, I like made a point to kind of research that a little bit more so I can kind of hang in a conversation like that. Cause when you and John <laughs> stuff, I just kind of tend to just shut my mouth. Cause I, I you know, I, that's just not my forte or whatever. But when you, if you just wiki circadian rhythm, you just, you get the basic like clock. Right. And it says that like nine or 10 in the morning is, is your best time to like condition and four or five PM would be you're at your strongest. That would be your best time to do the SWAT. You know, so that's something to kind of keep in mind. I mean, I know uh, I do my training more like three thirty. That's kind of like the off gym hours. Um, I don't. We don't have a class coming in next till five thirty, so I can get I can get my time in there, and I feel great doing the strength and the conditioning. You know, at one point in my life, I did try and do these workouts at like five or six in the morning and I just didn't feel flexible, you know, and I like to eat a few meals. I just eating a banana on the way to the gym didn't cut it. You know, I, I'm definitely more of the late afternoon 
um, training guy. Yeah. You guys too? Uh, that, yeah. I mean, Personally, personally for me, I like to get, I try to get my training done before two or three, because I notice on training days, if I train past 4 PM, I can't, I, even if I lay my head down on the pillow at 9 PM, I'll, I'll lay there, stare at a, you know, a dark wall until maybe 11 or 12. I just have a hard time, uh, winding down. Um, so I like to get my, I like to get my training in early in the morning and, and, uh, before Steve, you jump in and kind of give your deal and your, your opinion, what I do want to like that, that optimal training times, there's merit to that, but it doesn't work for everyone. And I don't want, and the, the analogy John gave on the last podcast about if you wax your car, you know, you'll get better fuel mileage. If you wax your car every day or every week, like for most people just get in there. And I mean, if you follow the, if you can get your training in when you can, and you can complete at least the SWAD. And then if you're lucky, you can get the SWAD and DWAD done in one session and uh, you get an adequate warm up and a, a solid cool down. That is going to be the 99% solution. Like everything else is just one, the 1%. Uh, again, assuming you got your nutrition dialed in and you're sleeping well. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I, I mean, I don't know much about the demographic of CrossFit football power athlete, but I, I'm going to assume that maybe 90, 99% of them are not professional athletes. So, yeah. t- you know, t- I mean, t- you time your workouts when you can, uh, your body's going to adjust and it's going to actually, it'll alter. I mean, in the I mean, Luke's example is perfect. If he trains later in the day, it actually alters his circadian rhythms. And so, I mean, if you kept doing that, you would adjust, you'd probably sleep later, you'd go to bed later all that's not ideal for your work. Right. Right. So therefore you adjust accordingly. Um, one of the things that I do, um, when I hung out with Greg Glassman one time and, uh, we talked about variability and he said, you know, one of the ways that you can force your body to adapt is by varying everything, not just the exercises, not just the order, not just the reps, not just the weights, but where you train, what time you train, the conditions with in which you train, you know, and this is uh, the, the guys on the board make fun of me because I post like humidity and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, those are factors, right? I mean, if I trained at elevation, uh, when I train in the mountains just north of me, I mean, it's, it's, it's a whole new ball game. Um, and when I train in the morning, it's different when I train midday, it's different afternoon is different. I just keep note of it in my journal. Um, but I mean, I, I think variability is good for training sort of the all around, uh, sort of general athlete, you know, like I'm training for, you know, if I'm running down the street and there's a pickup football game and somebody's like, Hey, can you play? I can't, Oh, it's not my optimal training time right now. So, uh, <laughs> are you guys going to play at two 30 PM? then I can run. But if it's at 11 AM, I can't go. I mean, I just want to be ready to go. You know, I just want to be, want to wake up and be ready to roll and pick up heavy things and run reasonably fast. And, um, you know, that sort of thing. So I think for these, these people who are worried about time of day things and circadian rhythms, and we're talking about somebody like John, who's, you know, professional athlete and like has everything dialed in perfectly. Like you said, the 1% thing for most of us, Getting in, moving weights, doing the DWAT is going to do everything that we need to be fit, look good with our shirts off, do, you know, pick up our kids and throw them over the pool or something, or in, I guess into the pool. Don't throw them over the pool. <laughs> um, you know, that, that's kind of my take on it. Um, you know, you want to optimize hormonal patterns, but uh, training and eating are going to do that way more effectively than timing the your training uh, session exactly the same time every day, which I think is nearly impossible for anybody who has a, uh, a, like a job that pays. 
Or kids, right? Oh, kids. Forget about it. So this is the next question, right? I mean, yeah. kids. Perfect perfect lead into to Tom Cherrier's uh, submission to PAHQ. He says, hi, Power Athlete Headquarters. A possible discussion point for Power Athlete Radio? I'm not sure I'm alone here. Child number two has just arrived. First is under two years old. And my training has gone on hold. Understandably, and I'm cool with that, obviously higher priorities are upon me. But I'm about to start back up and not sure what my priorities should be. There are two problems. Training time is limited. Work is also busy, in parentheses. And getting four good sessions with swads and dwads a week is not realistic. And also my recovery ability is limited. I'm just generally tired from disturbed sleep slash busy life slash busy work, etc. He adds that he's thir- I'm 32 years old, by the way. Goals are typical, fitter, stronger, bigger, faster. No specific sport. What have you guys done in this situation? Have you reduced everything? Um, have you sacrificed strength to maintain wads and conditioning or vice versa? Is the 488 plan suitable for me? Uh, I would love to hear your experiences and thoughts. Many thanks for the incredible resources you make available to us, Tom. There's a lot in that question. Yeah. Um, It's funny. uh, I I was talking to my wife about this. Uh, She happens to be home today. Uh, We have a two-year-old and a one-year-old. And I asked her, she was basically pregnant for like two years. And I asked her, you know, how, how did I make it easy on her? You know, how, what she remembers of all my training, because from what I remember, what I did as far as, you know, when she was pregnant with uh, Zoe, our one-year-old, obviously she would be at home with Ava. So I was like, Maybe I trained more on the weekends. I felt like Saturday and Sundays, I I trained both those days and maybe like a Tuesday or a Thursday. And and she felt it was I trained about three or four days a week. And um, I I I would try to have I have a 16 year old daughter as well. So I would try to work, you know, if it was during the week, uh, I would try to uh, get my training in a time when uh, my other daughter was here to kind of help her out. I think it helps to have a a supportive wife for sure. Um, You know, she knows that training for me, I don't really train for a specific sport. It's kind of just for, for everything. Um, It's more of a, just a lifestyle, you know, Uh, Louis Simmons trained to your, in your sixties, reaching your seventies, never stop. Um, I I think she knows how important that is to me and knows that that's just kind of what I do. And I, you know, she really supported me on that. And then in, in turn, I would support her and try to be here more during the week and the weekends, more family would come over and I can get my training in. You know what, if I could get three or four days in, I mean, this is real life, right? I mean, I'm not a professional athlete. Um, I was happy with that. As far as being tired, I mean, you know how it is when those little ones come in, your, your sleep's kind of sporadic. Um, I think as an adult, you're always tired. You know, that's just part of being an adult. I mean, even if I can go to bed at nine o'clock and do everything right, you know, I still get up at like four to 
to uh, coach our class in the morning. And then when I get home, the kids are, they're ready to rock and roll. They're up. So it's just kind of like a full day. And I don't think I'm ever not feeling tired, <laughs> if that makes sense, you know, but, yeah. but go in and, and find a way, you know, see, see what, uh, what options you have and, you know, is the 488 plan for you? I mean, I asked John that question at one point and he says, you'll know when the 488 plan is, is for you, you know? Um, I don't know, Steve, what, what do you have? What do you have? Yeah, your- no, I, I concur with the supportive partner thing. Um, that's important. If you've been training and you're having kids, chances are, you, you know, your wife or significant other is on board or maybe even trains with you. And, um, you know, uh, one of the things I was fortunate, I have a garage gym in addition to like the real gym. So, um, sleep training for your child, children is essential. Get those kids to, to be able to sleep through anything. So you can be out in the garage, you drop the barbell, you know, you drop kettlebell, don't have to worry about them waking up. You can grab, you know, 60, 90 minutes of training. Then kids don't care if you pick them up from their nap and you're covered in sweat and chalk. They think it's cool. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, be smart. Uh, kids are stressed and lack of sleep is stress and hard job is stress. And your body doesn't know how to do anything with stress, except deal with stress. In other words, if a stress comes from me kicking you in the shins or from your boss making you work late, your body just knows that as stress. Training is another stressor. So one of the, th- I mean, you know, is it better to keep working out six days a week or five days a week under these kind of conditions, which might be stressful and your sleep is, is perturbed? Probably not. So cut it back, be smart, pay attention to things like your performance. If you try to force five days, and this is what I did initially, tried to like squeeze it in here and there. And I realized that it's just not working. My shoulder's hurting. This is my, I'm getting weaker in this. Cut it back. Let your recovery catch up to your stress levels. Um, and then, you know, there'll be a time when those kids are old enough that you can take them to the gym and they can go like play with the medicine balls or something and you can go get your training in. Um, but it, one of his questions that, that, I mean, I think we already addressed is, do you, do you sacrifice the SWAT for the, for the conditioning? And, and I think we've addressed that it was if you can get anything in, maintain that strength. Um, conditioning can be recovered. I mean, I don't know anything about Tom here, but assuming he's in reasonably good shape, conditioning can be recovered in about two to four weeks in most cases um, to a reasonable level. Uh, Strength, you just want to keep adding and building strength as far as everything I've read and understand is that you don't want to stop on your strength progression. Um, So I I feel you, Denny. You know, I had at the time... uh, I, I chuckle a little bit now, but at the time I had what I thought was an understanding partner and I trained a little bit, but, um, the other thing I did was I overtrained at one point and I tore my bicep tendon. Um, and that sucked cause that meant two things. I couldn't train for, I couldn't do a pull up for almost 10 months, uh, let alone pick anything up heavy. And I also couldn't really contribute to my household because I, it was my left hand and I'm left-handed. So playing with my son or doing chores was, I mean, I look like a, I look like an idiot because I don't really, I can't do much with my right hand. So, I mean, be smart about it. Cut the days down, focus on, that would be my advice. I mean, Luke's the expert, but you know, pay attention to your stress levels, nights that you get good sleep, try and get a good training session in, pay attention to um, strength sessions, get conditioning in when you can. Luke, I I know in the past you, 
you've said, you know, that your, your uh, work schedule can fill up and you, you can be pretty hectic. And you've said, you know, my, I've had to put my training on hold and then a, a couple weeks to go by and we'll be talking, uh, you know, before we get on air and you'll be talking about how you and Ben just killed it. So you, you know, there's times when you got to, you know, sacrifice and just kind of deal with life. And then it seems like, you know, things change and you'll be able to get your training in. Um, what, what's your opinion on that? What I've, what we've tested and tried out is the, the idea that you, you have a harder time recovering from volume than you do intensity, all things considered equal. Okay. Uh, the higher volume induces more stress response. And that's, you know, Steve, I like the kick in the shin versus, you know, a boss's proverbial kick to the ass. Regardless, it's stress. Uh, I don't have kids. I have two dogs. They're pretty quiet. Uh, <laughs> you know, lifestyles changed considerably since I moved out to Southern California. But in my prior life, um, I can, you know, sh- sleep was short. Uh, you know, I coached the 6 a.m. class. I coached till 9 p.m. Uh you know, it's, I had a full-time job. I worked through the weekends. It was all, and, and I did what Steve did and just muscled through it. And I was miserable. Uh, so understanding that the volume is a hard piece to recover from all things considered equal, bang some weights. Uh, even if it's a, you know, and, and listen to your body. I remember I haven't, I haven't listened to Rob's podcast in a while, but his big deal was how do you look, feel and perform? Like that should be your, that should be your Holy Trinity. Right. How do I look? Uh, look pretty decent. How am I feeling? I'm feeling really tired. How am I performing? I'm weak as shit. <laughs> then <laughs> you probably have too much stress and it's just you got to curtail the volume, lift some weights a couple days a week, maybe do some walking and find some time to sleep. But um, I mean, that that's my input on that, that the there's other factors there. Like you said, the little ones being present family time. You know, I know John, uh, John makes being around for bath time and dinner time and all this stuff and breakfast time. He, he makes that the priority and that's what his training schedule is all around. So, you know, it's, it's what, where your moral compass will guide you. I mean, I mean, it's a, as long as you, it's funny because people like make this a part of their lifestyle and, uh, but if you miss a couple days or a couple weeks, like it's the weights aren't going away, you know, it's, <laughs> it's going to be harder to get back into it. Everybody dreads the first two or three weeks. Right. But, um, you know, it's, it, they're always going to be there and you're always going to be an adaptive organism. And, and in terms of your life cycle as an adult, whether or not it's the introduction of a kid, maybe it's a catastrophic injury. Maybe it's just getting older your goals are eventually going to shift and you're going to, you're going to look at yourself in the mirror and go, do I really need to squat 500 pounds and bench 400 pounds? Or like, should I just get some good sleep and maybe train if I'm feeling, feeling the mojo tomorrow, you know? So it's it, just kind of step back, reassess. What are you training for? You know, what are you training for? Yeah. Like, that's, I like that. What are you training for? That's right. I mean, if you're training to squat 500 pounds, uh, you're in a different place than if you're squatting just to be able to run around with your kids. Yeah. So like, you know, Tom says, I want to be fitter, stronger, bigger, faster. What everybody does, (laughs) you know, 
one thing to, you know, are you big, getting bigger, stronger and faster? How do you know? And that's easy. Like if you want to know if you're getting stronger, it's can, are you lifting more weights in your lifts? Uh, are you able to keep up with the D wads in the scaled prescribed scaled on the D wads and, and improve your times? Are you getting faster? Okay. Let's measure your 40. Let's measure your hundreds. Let's do uh, some change direction, some ladder stuff. Like you can quantify all that. What are, what are your benchmarks? What are you trying to beat? You know, what are you trying to hit? What's acceptable? What's your goals? That type of stuff. So maybe that could be an exercise form too and say, okay, where am I at? What's realistic? Now I'm going to try and measure this every once in a while and see if I'm actually getting to where I need to be. Yeah. I like, uh, Steve, I like what you said too about, um, the garage work because that I don't have the type of garage setup that you do, but I have parallels. I got a 20 pound med ball. You know, I have some kettlebells. Um, I got some stuff I can pick up. I can sprint. I have a jump rope. I can do handstand pushups, you know? So I, I, now that I think back on the times, you know, of, of my wife's pregnancies and, you know, there was times where I, I had to do like the garage workout, 15 minute AMRAP, you know, try to hit the same stimulus that uh, is in the CrossFit football programming. Lift something heavy, try to keep the Metcons, you know, 15 minutes or less. And, you know, don't obsess over it. I know we're kind of like a culture of uh, obsessing over everything. I can, all three of us can look through the CrossFit football comments and see how obsessive some of these people can be. <laughs> and, it, you know, it just, just take a step back, you know, enjoy your life. There is more to life than just training. And, and I say that as a person who, trust me, there's times where I'm having conversations with people or even my wife, and I'm, she, I'm sure she can hear me saying this. She'll be talking to me and I'm listening to her and in my mind I'm thinking, okay, clean and jerk, 235 pounds tomorrow. I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to try and hit that 500 pounds. <laughs> and then she'll be like, you know what I mean? And I'm like, what? <laughs> nice. You know, sleeping on the couch for the night. But I mean, my point is, yeah, you know, I... I training is a big part of my life too, but you know what? I don't want to miss my kids growing up. And, and Steve, you said that, I mean, there's going to come up, you know, they're only going to be one and two, you know, for a certain part of time. And then you can kind of bring them with you and, you know, just kind of find a way, Tom, find a way to get in what you can and uh, everything will be okay. And then, you know, the kids grow up fast anyway, or, you know what, they're 16 years old and they want gas money. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well said, Denny. Well said. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, guys, we're at 45 minutes. Sounds good. Did we lose Luke? Luke falling asleep? No, I'm here just dreading the future. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I mean, between you two, I mean, you know, Denny's like the Brady bunch of women over in his house and, uh, and John with the, the twins who are hilariously destructive and noisy. Uh, it's like, what, you know, why would anyone do this? But then I know I, everybody always gives me, but like, you have to experience it to see it's the best, uh, you know, the best thing you could ever ask for is a, your own child and stuff like that. But I, I don't know, man, it really does disrupt your social life, your training life. Like, uh, man, what are you crazy? <laughs> but hey, who knows? What is uh, 
What is the typical life of Luke Summers? What do I do? What's a day in the life of Luke Summers? If we YouTubed it, what would it be like, Luke? Uh, you know? Well, I usually yeah. I usually wake up, flex in the mirror, picture like the new Superman movie. That's that's the build I have under my crossing football shirts. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, dude, I live under an airport and they start flying at 7 a.m. So I'm up every day at 7 once a plane flies over, uh, usually on uh, on the email either on my phone or on my computer, answering some emails, getting the day planned. And then, uh, you know, it's a text out to John, like what's the plan for today? And he usually responds the same things every day, trying to take over the world. And, uh, and we just keep on going. But, um, then two, two and a half hours of training for myself. And then I coach about, uh, five hours a week. We have five trainers at the gym. So we got to split the time. And then basically follow up and help administer the CrossFit football certs, moderate Power Athlete HQ content, get on these podcasts, let you guys kind of steer me in the right direction with this stuff. And that's that's my life, man. But uh, why do you live under an airport, bro? Dude, you know, <laughs> this because this was the right layout. And I live with my girlfriend. Uh, she's my domestic partner and she had a vision on what the house needs to look like. And, uh, conveniently enough, she's the Sandman. You could throw her on like a, like a bobsled and she could fall asleep. You know what I mean? And, uh, so they, she's like, you hear the airplanes in the morning? Like, yeah, how do you not? They're buzzing the chimney. And, uh, <laughs> but she sleeps through it and, you know, I call her the starfish too. So she takes up like 80% of the bed. And then we have two dogs. It's like, you know, I have a rough life, guys. I'm telling you. Yeah. That reminds me. I know it, uh, like back in 2002, 2003, when I first moved back to Illinois, uh, my daughter and I, I rented a house uh, like 50 yards away from train tracks, man. And we're not talking like, you know, the Metro. We're talking like freight trains, 100, 150 <laughs> freight trains, two o'clock in the morning. And we were like a block away from the uh, crossing, the crossing rails or whatever. So they have to beat their horn every time they come close to that. <laughs> yeah. And it was just awful. I eventually got used to it, believe it or not. But um, it would just shake the whole house. And uh, I, I can imagine what living under an airport would be like. Yeah, I know like 7 a.m. doesn't sound like a big deal. That's actually I mean, that that is sleeping in for a lot of the people in the fitness industry. But uh, where it comes into play is if we travel east, if we travel east for a cert, we typically don't get home till two thirty or three in the morning. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, four hours of sleep on a Sunday can will ruin me personally till till Thursday. And then if you have two certs in a row, that's two weeks where you're basically useless in terms of your training, you know, and uh there's a perfect example. Like if that happens and I'm completely dragging, I'm, I'm lifting weights. I'm squatting twice a week, doing a press, doing a pull. I bear, I try not to Metcon. Uh, but sometimes you get roped into it, peer pressure. And, and at the end of the day, it's, it's a piece of my training that I, I do need to work on. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're complaining about being up at 7am, uh, don't have kids. Yeah, dude. I know. I know. But most, no, most days, most days it's fine. It's just, uh, the, the biggest, like I said, after a long weekend, it'd be nice to stay, stay in bed till nine. That's I got the blackout curtains, you know, I got the white noise. I got everything, but, uh, yes, 
I can't, I cannot imagine going long, week after week on less than seven hours of sleep day in and day out. That sounds awesome. I mean, when you have a kid, any of the, any of the power athlete nation out there, like I'm telling you, po- post your experience to the CrossFit football blog or something, because when you have a newborn, Danny, you can relate your sleep. I was like a zombie for easily four months. And, and my son didn't sleep through the night until he was like six months old. And I remember, so I went through the moat, you know, like when you're on the highway and your highway hypnosis, you end up, you're like, Oh, that's my exit. That was my life. I'd go in. I'd be like, is today Monday? Did I teach my classes? Like what happened today? <laughs> I mean, just total zombie state. Um, I don't know if you had the same experience, Denny, but I remember that being probably the most horrible time of my life with respect to sleep and saying over and over again that with respect to children, one and done, baby, one and done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, uh, our, our first baby. Ava, she really didn't sleep through the night till she was almost one, dude. And, and you know, not up every other hour like a, a hungry baby. It would just be like at three o'clock she would get up, you know, and, and be ready to go. And, and be ready to go. Yeah. And, you know, the first three months when they're feeding, it was like uh, my wife breastfed. So, yeah, she had, you know, she had to actually get up and do it. But, it, you know, you, me being the nice guy, the supportive husband, I would kind of like stay up, rub her back, get her, get her a pillow, kind of do something like that. And then I would try to roll over and go to sleep. But you really can't, you know, because you're your mind's elsewhere. And, and me, I'm the kind of person like, if you know, if I get up and it's like 10 minutes or so or longer, you know, I, I'm kind of up for a while. You know, then I lay in the dark room, just kind of stare at the ceiling. And, um, I, you know, I don't, I just kind of dealt with that and just pushed through it. You know, naps, if you work eight to five, you know, obviously you're not going to be able to get a nap in. But um, I know when I worked a corporate lifestyle, they gave us an hour lunch and uh, go walk out in the car, set your clock for 20 minutes, take a nap in the car, you know, do what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to take a little flack here for this one, but I mean, evolutionarily women are designed to be woken up by nursing children. But Playtech, I think you've said enough and uh, that, <laughs> that is science at its best. Um, you know, I, that sounds like men should move out, get their own apartment for about eight months and then come back when the kid sleeps. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's a perfect translation of what I was about to say. <laughs> I guess on that note, uh, that yeah. moment, maybe we should say out of here. Yeah, I got to I got to buzz back. We got to we have a, a guest from Australia. He works out of uh, CrossFit. Give him cold steel. Uh, he, Daz puts out a program out of Australia for games competitors, but he's got a physio there and he he's visiting with John for the week, seeing uh, giving him some guidance on how he could fix his his skeletons that he's earned from his 10 years in the NFL. So I think I've left them together for like four hours now. I got to make sure this guy's still alive. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. But uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. As always. Awesome. And uh, we'll talk later. All right. See you guys. Take care.